the three-word sermon. <laughs> so, right. Uh, Rob Healy, uh, Bush Church Aid Society, and uh, my job takes me all over the state. So um, I get to uh, preach in churches um, from one end of the state to the other. And uh, I also have the role of looking after the field staff. So people like Derek and Amanda McCartney, um, I provide some of the pastoral care uh, for them as they minister in remote and isolated places. I also talk to uh, supporters, people who have uh, uh, signed up and uh, given us their name and details and we uh, send out uh, prayer diaries and uh, information and uh, I'll talk a bit more about that later in the sermon. Bush Church Aid, uh, this is our logo. Um, it's our new logo. It was actually adopted last year. Um, every few years, BCA invents its new logo, um, as any corporation does. But we're not a corporation. We're part of the Anglican Church. And uh, we want to, uh, to say, first and foremost, that Christ is at the centre of everything that we do. Um, the graphic designer was asked to come up with a design representing Australia as a heart and that we have a heart for God and a heart for the people of Australia. Um, the graphic designer put a cross onto the heart effectively to make the four ventricles. Um, but you can see what's happened. Um, when it came uh, to uh, the decision, I go to the executive meetings. Um, I can answer questions, but I'm not allowed to vote because I'm an employee of the Mission Society. I pointed out to them that WA, historically, is where the mission began. And so planting the cross in the southwest is really spot on. It's the best thing uh, to represent the work and mission of BCA. See, in 1834, new settlers in the Swan Valley didn't have a minister. There was nobody there to teach and to preach the name of Jesus. And so the, uh, the settlers there got together and they petitioned the governor in, uh, in Perth and asked for uh, Frederick Irwin, an army officer, um, Irwin Street in the city's named after him. Um, I used to be the rector at Dongra and my parish was part of the Shire of Irwin, named after um, Irwin. They wanted Irwin to go to uh, the UK and to recruit a minister, get someone to come out to uh, the Swan River colony and to preach Jesus. And these people wanted the new settlers to hear about Jesus but they also wanted the Noongar people of the valley to hear as well. That after all, the gospel of the Lord Jesus is for all people. It doesn't matter where you come from in this world, what language you speak, that the word of God is for you. And so uh, we do it all, don't we? Um, we form a committee. They formed a committee in London and they set about raising some money and they raised, uh, in the old language, 50 pounds. And with 50 pounds, they recruited a minister and sent him out to the Swan Valley. And he arrived. His name was Giustiani, the Reverend Giustiani. I'm sad to say he only lasted two years. 
because he took seriously the mission of preaching Jesus to settlers and to the indigenous people. And that sometimes saw him in conflict. A couple of years ago, I preached out at one of the uh, uh, areas where he worked. Uh, it's the All Saints Church in Swan Valley. Uh, it's sort of down the bottom end of Nangara Road. And that's the oldest church in WA. And uh, on uh, the wall at my side as I preached, there was a memorial plaque, like we have here, to Magistrate Moore. He was the local magistrate who judged all the court cases out there in the valley. And on the far side of the, uh, the church, at the front of the church, was a plaque in memory of, uh, of six settlers who had been speared to death um, by Aboriginal people in the valley. And as I preached there, I knew that the Reverend Giustiani had stood in court as the advocate, as the representative of the Aboriginal people who'd been arrested, and he stood pleading their case before Magistrate Moore. The history is still there. It is alive and living. The Lord Jesus is still alive and living, and he's our advocate. He stands before the Father pleading our case. So the cross starts in WA, and from there the mission spread over Australia. The name changed a few times over the years, but in 1919, at the end of World War I, because Australia had stood on the world stage, we had made a name for ourselves in the world, uh, the society in London said, you guys can do it yourself. And so a committee was formed in Sydney. And uh, our national office is there. But we're a part of the Anglican Church. We work across Australia. Uh, we work closely with all of the dioceses. We don't uh, go anywhere without an invitation from a diocese, an invitation from a bishop, an invitation from a congregation who asks us, can you help? Our name says it all. We are a bush church aid organisation. We help the church in the outback remote and isolated places. I chose Revelation 19 to talk about today because it's a, it's a great uplifting passage. Um, we don't have any kids left here, but you know, I could say to the kids, um, when we get to the end of the book, who wins? God does. We win. Because we're part of God, God's family, God's children. In, I'm getting a bit of hum there. pointed at the speaker. In God's word, there are a few times that we read about the response of the people of God to God and what he has done for them. And it's usually to respond by praising God. And in Hebrew, hallelujah, praise the Lord, praise our God. Our second slide talks about um, in, the, uh, in the Old Testament, quite often you'll read in the Psalms, you'll see the phrase, praise God, or praise you the Lord. That's hallelujah. Praise Yah, Yahweh. Praise the Lord. It might surprise you, given the number of times we sing in our hymns the word hallelujah, that in the New Testament, it only appears four times. And we read them today in Revelation 19. Four times in the first part of the passage, and that's what I'm going to focus on from 1 to uh, sort of 12, 13, um, we have this cry from heaven. 
It's the multitude, the great multitude that is gathered in the throne room of heaven who praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. John is given a vision. He sees what is happening in heaven. And then he says here at uh, verse 1, After that I heard what sounded like a roar of great multitude in heaven, shouting, Hallelujah! The great multitude is millions of millions, myriad of myriads. It's a millions and millions of voices joining in unison as they praise the Lord. In the chapters leading up to this, we've, we've had a lot of woe. There's all this evil and, and God's judgment upon evil and there's a lot of things that just bring great depression, great woe. But God is the God who saves. So I want to ask you the question, why do we praise God? Well, we praise God for his salvation. We praise God for what he has done for us. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for true and just are his judgments. We have a faithful God who is true to his word and he will do what he says. If he says he will save us, we will be saved. He is our saviour. Our next slide has, uh, has Derek McCartney in the early morning. Um, I wonder if you could guess what day it might be earlier this year. Easter. It's Easter morning. The sun is rising on the horizon and Derek and Amanda, the Anglican Church, the Baptist Church, the indigenous Madhu Church of Newman and any Christian who happened to be touring through the Pilbara, who happened to be in town and see the notice on the, uh, on the tourist bureau or at the shops, all gathered on the top of Radio Hill. It's the hill that um, looks out over the town of Newman to the east and to the west. If you turn, you look over Mount Whaleback, the big iron ore mine, the reason that Newman exists. And they gathered there on the top of the hill, not in a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power to proclaim that Christ was risen, that the cross is empty, that as Christ hung on that cross and he cried to his Father and he said, it is finished, he has paid the penalty for our sin. And to remind the people that the tomb was empty, there is a cloth hanging on that cross, waving in the wind. You might remember that when Peter and John ran to the tomb when they heard the report from the women and they looked into the tomb, they saw the cloth neatly folded. The body had not been stolen. A thief would take the cloth. After all, the Roman soldiers, they gambled for Jesus' last piece of clothing at the foot of the cross. Jesus hung there naked. That's why the people hurled uh, insults at him. He hung there for our sin. He rose again so that we could know for sure and for certain that the penalty for sin has been paid and that the power of death is defeated. He rose again. We know that, 
but there are many people who don't, who just don't get it. It just seems stupid or crazy. A little bit like this tree in the, in the, uh, in the Kimberleys. We serve at Kununurra. We've got two families serving the Lord Jesus there. In the dreaming legends, the, the, spirit, the creator spirit comes and, and rips the bibes out of the ground and turns them upside down and sticks them back into the earth. That there are bare roots sticking up into the sky. An improbable tree. It's a deciduous tree. So at times of the year, it looks like there are roots just sticking up into the sky. But this tree's not dead. It's alive. It's living. It brings forth leaves. It brings forth fruit. The fruit itself can be eaten. Once you get past that hard nut, the inside is edible. We have been set free by the improbable Christ on a cross, dying to defeat death, dying and paying the penalty for our sin so that we may live freely for him. The world needs to hear. They need to hear. They need to hear here in West Leadable and in the area around here you have the task of sharing that good news. In places that are more remote and more isolated, BCA provides the assistance by helping to fund ministers, to put people on the ground to proclaim the good news of Jesus. People need to hear that Jesus in his act has condemned the great prostitute, has condemned the great evil that exists within the world, that he has avenged the blood of his saints and his servants are now free to serve. You see, that is still going on in the world today. Jesus told us that as followers we would be persecuted. My next slide shows uh, Mosul in Iraq. This is one of the towns, one of the cities occupied by ISIS. These people think they're doing the work of God. A bit like Paul on the road to Damascus when he was still called Saul. And Jesus appears to him and says, why are you persecuting me? Where did Jesus grow up? What town? Not Mosul. Nazareth. Can you see what looks like a smiley face? Ignore the circle. The U with the one eye, the dot, that is the Arabic letter for N. It says a Nazarene lives here. It's a bit like the Nazis in Germany in the 1930s painting a star of David on a Jewish home or business. A Nazarene lives here. You can go into this house... You can steal whatever you like. You can even take the life of the people who live there. But you know, even if they take the life, can they actually take that person from the hand of Jesus? No. We belong to the Lord. In life, in death, we belong to him. He has died for us. He has won us. 
he will judge. We've seen that in the cross. He will judge. Hallelujah. The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. I couldn't find a picture of uh, uh, something burning forever on Australia, in, uh, in Australia or in the world. Um, that's what an artist imagines a volcano looks like on Venus. <laughs> it's not a place of love, I can tell you. It's, uh, it's a pretty horrible place. Perhaps uh, somewhere in the universe, that, in the uh, uh, solar system, that's a little bit like hell. Judgment on those who reject Jesus, on those who reject God, is forever. But for those who accept Jesus, we are like the 24 elders. We are like the great seraphim, the, the great angels that are around the throne of God. That those and all of the myriad of people, the millions and millions of people, they are there. The 24 elders, we are told by John, bowed down with the seraph and they worshipped and praised God. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. And then from the throne, a voice sounds out, Praise our God, all you his servants, all you who fear him, both great and small. It doesn't matter who you are, whether you happen to be the Prime Minister of Australia or somebody who, uh, who does a cleaning job. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter if you're here in Australia for generations and generations, whether you're indigenous, whether you're a new settler. It doesn't matter whether you're from Asia, Africa or Europe. It doesn't matter where you come from because that myriad of myriads are people from every language, every tribe on the earth who all know and love the Lord. We praise God. We praise him both great and small. Why do we praise him? Because he has saved us and he has judged the evil that's in the world. Why do we praise him? We praise him because we're invited to the wedding of the Lamb. The wedding of the Lamb. What a glorious thing that that will be. What a glorious thing to look forward to. That's our job. My job your job is to invite people to the wedding of the Lamb. To invite them to that great heavenly feast. See, you're the church. You're the body of Christ. This is the church at Onslow. Or should I say, this is the church building. You see, the church stopped in Onslow late last year. Les Galton, who's the BCA man at Caratha, would tow his caravan down once a month, park it in the caravan park and run church in the building for the people of God. But at the end of last year, the police, the teachers and the nurses that made up the church, would you believe every one of them was transferred? There is no church there anymore. You're losing one family to Melbourne, but imagine if all of you left. Les's name is still on the notice board. He's still praying and hoping that one day someone will ring him and say, the church has regathered. Come and teach us. 
I'm sad to say that most people in our society don't think much of the church at all. They think like that cross in the background there. Can you see it's a little bit fuzzy? It's a bit in the past. It's, uh, it's a bit grey. Um, what's it all about? That's how most people think about it. But you know, Jesus is still here and now. He's front and centre. He's still bright. He's still as glorious as he ever was. People still need to hear about Jesus. We still need to go out and invite people to come to the wedding of the Lamb. Hallelujah for our God, Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, is given to her to wear. We have white robes, washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. The bridegroom is preparing a place for us and will come to take us, to be with him. In the meantime, his servants, the king's servants, are being sent out to invite people to the wedding. BCA people go out into uh, very distant places across Australia. Thanks. This is on Northwest Highway. Um, it's uh, north of the Burkett Road turnoff. The Burkett Road is one of two roads that go to Exmouth. Frank and Joan Nicholl serve with BCA at Exmouth. If I go a little bit further, I get to Nanyatara Roadhouse. I turn off there to go to Parabadu and Tom Price. David and Priya Morgan are serving there with BCA. And... Uh, they find it very hard. Last year, they lost about half their church because Rio Tinto gave the other half a pink slip. He lost his uh, warden. He lost his treasurer. Hard work. He has to rebuild the church. But we go out into those places. It's a little easier for you to go and visit neighbours and to see friends and to, to share Jesus with them. In the outback, there may not be the numbers of people in the church. There may not be that opportunity. So Bush Church Aid helps and sends people out to invite to the wedding of the Lamb. People like Philip and Elkie. Uh, Philip and Elkie have been serving BCA in Port Hedland for nearly 10 years. Uh, Annabelle in the uh, Stripes and Lily have uh, basically grown up there knowing and serving the Lord. Annabelle's in high school, and as far as she knows, she's the only Christian in the school. Hard work. BCA supports ministry in uh, Port Hedland. We pay half the stipend of Philip, and the local church raises the other half. But without that, can you have a half minister in Port Hedland? Very hard. So BCA is there helping and supporting. How can you help BCA? Well, as you do for any missionary organisation, I think there's probably three things that people can do. Firstly, uh, you, can, uh, you can pray, but first, sorry, I'm jumping ahead, my mind. Um, this is Roger Kingdon. He's our newest um, minister here in Western Australia for Bush Church Aid. He's serving in Geraldton. Um, he's just graduated from Bible College and he's going to be doing two years of training at Bluff Point. Bishop Gary Nelson and I are laying hands on him as we commission him to his, uh, his work at, uh, at Bluff Point Parish in Geraldton um, as the assistant minister there. 
Um, we're being informal that day. Nobody in the northwest wears robes because it's too hot. That day it was 42 degrees, so um, we, uh, we just uh, did away with everything else except the, uh, the clergy shirts and, uh, and what we needed to wear. This is uh, Roger's family. This is what I was about to say in terms of prayer. Uh, Roger and his wife Amanda, um, two little girls, Ada and Eliza. Ada had a birthday, turned two. So little Ada on mum's lap turned two, uh, two days ago. Two weeks before Christmas, baby Benjamin, oh, Easter, thank you, my beautiful assistant. Um, two weeks before Easter, Benjamin was born. And uh, so please pray for this, this family. Um, we have a prayer diary in the hall on the uh, information table. Um, that can be sent to you. Um, there's no fee for it. There's no fee to subscribe. Um, but like the readers di- unlike the Reader's Digest, um, we won't send you a letter every week. Um, we send a letter twice a year asking for support. And it's between you and God as to what you do with that letter. But we want you to pray for the mission. Uh, you can pray for families like Roger and Amanda. Roger is uh, the granddaughter of somebody some of you might know, um, Bishop Hal Witt. And Bishop Witt was the Bishop of Northwest Australia in the 1960s and 70s. So this little baby boy is a little bit of Witt back in the Northwest, um, representing a generation, a new generation of people loving and serving the Lord Jesus. You can also give. In the 1830s, we raised 50 pounds. We need a bit more than that today. You can give like the widow's might um, through money boxes or you can go online and, uh, and give uh, on the BCA website. You can leave money in an estate, in a, in a will, um, so that BCA can continue into future uh, generations. This is Clem Kirk- Kirkby who uh, passed away a couple of years ago. He was 93 years old. His father was the head of BCA in 1919 when it adopted that name. He was our archivist. If you wanted a question, had a question about BCA, he could, he could answer it for you. Some people go and serve BCA. And uh, those who uh, sometimes hitch up the caravan and travel around Australia... They help out by doing maintenance. They help out by helping uh, with uh, kids' clubs, with mission. They help in all sorts of ways. Um, We have a program called BCA Nomads. We've got an information pamphlet about that. Or you can do what uh, Jim and Natalie Watson have done. They have decided to go and live and work in a remote community. They live and work in Kununurra. Jim is uh, a TAFE lecturer. So Monday to Friday he teaches... Out of school hours, out of TAFE hours, he ministers. He's not ordained, but he loves the Lord and he shares the good news of Jesus. He invites people to the wedding supper of the Lamb. His mission is to the Aboriginal people who live in Kununurra, who live in Wyndham, the people who have come out of the community of Umbulgari. Sad to say, evil was winning in Umbulgari and the people left. They have moved to Wyndham and Kununurra and so Jim ministers there. A testimony to how much Jim loves the Aboriginal people there and how much they have loved him in return is that those four kids 
have been joined by two little Aboriginal girls. The two girls are still in high chair and uh, Jim and Natalie are fostering them. That doesn't happen very often today but it's a testimony to how much they are loved and how much they are respected because they share the love of Jesus. Natalie, by the way, needs lots of prayer. She homeschools. So she has six kids at home caring for and looking after. She's a cancer survivor. She had breast cancer about five years ago. Another one of our workers, I don't have a slide for him, but I've got pictures of him over in the hall. I heard yesterday that uh, Bruce Chapman, he is the BCA Northern Territory Youth Minister. He serves from Darwin to Alice Springs, out to Arnhem Land and so on. Um, Bruce is in hospital in Darwin. Um, he's just had follow-up surgery. Um, he was uh, diagnosed with melanoma uh, just a little while ago and uh, it has uh, spread from the initial site. So Bruce is only in his 40s and uh, he has a 16-year-old boy, 14-year-old and 12-year-old girl and uh, a 10-year-old boy. So if you come over, get the prayer diary from us. Uh, you can find Bruce and Jody, his wife, and uh, you can pray for them. BCA families across Australia. We're part of the Anglican Church, but we minister to anybody. In many of the remote and isolated places in Australia, there is only one church. And everybody is welcome in the name of Jesus. Because in heaven, everybody is welcome in the name of Jesus, wherever we come from. The angel that was revealing all of this to John said to him that these words, these words are true. These are the words of God. We can trust them. We know that our God has saved us. We know that our God has and will judge evil. That those who rail against us, who rail against God, will in the end be judged. We will be a part of that myriad of myriads. We will be there in the throne room of heaven singing our praise to the glory of God, to the God who invited us to the wedding feast of the Lamb. May you serve that God. May you know his salvation. May you not fear evil. May you proclaim the invitation to all you meet. In Jesus' name. Amen.